G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. We're talking through what we're calling a financial boot camp. What sort of image comes to mind when we talk about boot camps to you? You might be thinking of some sort of military training uh, program. Well, we might be talking a little along those lines today. I don't think our guest is going to hold back with some great advice when it comes to getting your personal finances, your household finances and your business finances under control and prospering. Well, want to open those talkback lines this hour too. Your opportunity to ask a question or make a comment with regards to finances. Our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. You can be part of this conversation, 1-800-316-316. Let's introduce our guest for this hour, Darren Lautenbach. He's the one behind GodsMoneyMatters.com. He's a senior financial planner, a trainer, a mentor, a company director. Darren runs workshops, including a money makeover intensive, and is really set with his heart towards helping Christians master their money rather than being mastered by it. Let's meet our guest for this hour, Darren Laudenbach. Welcome along to 2020. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks, Neil. Great to be um, be able to speak to the listeners. Yeah. Well, Darren, looking forward to a great conversation this hour. And I know you're not going to be phased by any question that might come. So encouraging <laughs> listeners uh, to you know, pull out the biggest, best questions you've got, uh, because it's going to be a great conversation. Darren, let me just, uh, just reflect for a moment. I mean, financial planning as a senior certified financial planner, you have followed in family footsteps here. This is not just something you do, but this is something that's gone on generations before. Four. Yeah, my father was a financial planner for 40 years, actually. So um, uh, it, it, um, it obviously is, uh, it, it's in the genes or something. Okay, well, 40 years, uh, your dad, a financial planner, and I guess you would have got interested in financial planning from a young age. What was it that made you bring a Christian focus to the way you're interested in finances? Yeah, it's actually, uh, that's a very good question, because what actually happened is I went through all the training as you do as a financial planner and actually discovered um, by following the the rules of a lot of financial planning firms and the teaching we got from uh, the various institutions was that it actually wasn't teaching me um, the things that I really needed to know. And so I was frustrated by that, and um, I'd made some mistakes, and so uh, I thought there's got to be a better way, and so I turned um, to God's Word and started studying uh, everything I could get my hands on that um, talked about finances uh, with a biblical perspective and um, started to learn the truth about how we should be managing our money. Well, we're going to be calling our segment today a financial boot camp. Now, this is not terminology that's new to you. You like to talk about financial boot camps because there is a sense, isn't there, that most of us, we drift along with our finances and uh, and stuff happens to us and we 
and we uh, we arm and are about which direction we should go. What you're interested in is actually helping people get in shape, and there are some skills that need to be learned. And a financial boot camp's a great terminology. Yeah, that's quite right, Neil. And I think what happens with the, the connotation of a boot camp is that you're taking massive action and you're really getting stuck into things. And I think uh, that's what people need to do today, particularly Christians with their finances. I'm not sure that... Um, I think Christians are a little bit lost with their finances. I think, well, I, totally, I think the world is actually lost with finances. Um, and the stats are kind of, uh, kind of lead towards that. If we look at, um, for example, um, OECD research says that um, Australians, 95% of Australians will actually retire below the poverty line. And um, that's a scary fact. And I think uh, these kind of things are, are scary in, us in, in the culture, but the Christians aren't leading by example. And that's the thing that concerns me. Okay, we need to lead by example. Let me hit you with one of the tough questions as we get things underway. Uh, the idea that I believe in God, I attend a local church, I uh, want to raise my family in a Christian way, but hang on a second, stand back a little bit because God wants to put his hands on my finances. Uh, let's uh, hear your response to the idea of uh, of my finances and God's finances. Yeah, well, uh, we know that the earth and everything in it is the Lord's, um, so it's not really our finances. We're just stewards of it. And so clearly uh, God has um, given us the hands and the feet to be able to distribute his funds. Uh, And some of that is for use for our benefit and um, to look after ourselves. In fact, we're called uh, worse than unbelievers if we don't look after our family. But uh, we also know we are absolutely called to look after the poor and the needy and the widows and the orphans. And um, I'd suggest that money is one way to actually do that. And of course, we might be thinking that we learn all about this as part of our local church. That's not always the case, and there might be some reasons for that. What are your thoughts on on Christians and learning to actually handle finances in skillful ways? It seems to me that there's uh, a a real lack of knowledge from pastors um, and a lack of confidence in their teaching on this. And so therefore they don't actually, uh, on the whole, um, and this is certainly the feedback I'm getting, is that on the whole it's not preached a lot at church and not preached in a way that's practical. So they, it might be dealt with in concept, but what does it mean when the rubber hits the road? And what do I do with that information uh, you know, after the service? And so I think there's this, this real... Um, uh, gaping hole of information about how we manage our finances God's way today. Okay, and we, I guess I guess we're swept along by the cultural attitudes that we're exposed to in the media continuously when it re, with, when it comes to our our finances. Uh, what sort of cultural attitudes do you like to draw attention to? Yeah, it seems to me that, uh, and I'm going to pick on the men and generalise a little bit, but uh, we tend to have these financial tantrums, and I think, unfortunately, uh, the ladies are getting into this a little bit more too. It's that whole, um, I want it, I can get it now, I'm going to get it, um, and so I can get it on easily monthly payments, and you're not going to stop me. And not having money in the bank's not going to stop me either. And so we end up having these uh, easy monthly payments that end up strangling us, buying things on credit, that we don't really need. And God doesn't pro- uh, promise to provide um, our wants. He pro- promises to provide our needs. And unfortunately, uh, sometimes we can actually turn a want into a need. An example of this might be, say, leasing a car. We may want to upgrade the car. We may um, need a, a, an upgraded car. But do we uh, really need that brand new one uh, on easy monthly lease payments? 
And the problem with it, of course, is that once we buy the car and have the lease payments, we now must pay those payments. Uh, we must meet our obligations, and God wants us to meet our obligations. So we've turned a want, being the, um, the, the you know the, probably the newer and flashier model car, into a need to make repayments. And so um, now it actually puts more stress on our finances. Okay, I want to invite our listeners to be part of our conversation today. You might have a question, you might have a comment when it comes to managing finances, getting things under control, getting onto a new trajectory where you're on the up and up rather than being ruled or mastered mm-hmm. by your finances. So we're, we're talking about how to become a master of the finances rather than letting finances master us. That's a, it's a difficult concept. But once the penny drops with that regard, Darren, uh, that's a real freeing thing, isn't it, as to this mastery of finance? Well, absolutely. The Proverbs in many places in the Bible says that um, the borrower is slave to the lender. And if we really think through that, um, that makes a lot of sense. Like, uh, Try stop paying your mortgage repayments and see what happens. You'll quickly become the slave of the bank. So the, the borrower is slave to the lender, and so obviously the less debt we can get into, the less opportunity for us to fall into that slave-master relationship. Okay, we're going to be talking about some uh, tips in a plan to be able to get things started to turn around and bring about change in personal finances and household finances and business finances too. If we were talking about uh, some of those steps forward, we'll come back to more of the challenges, Mm. but if we're talking about some of those steps forward in in actually digging your way out of a hole, supposing we're talking about debt or there's challenges, uh, you know, there's a certain amount of money coming into a household each week but seems to be that more's more's being spent going out, debt is rising. Uh, where do you actually go, and what do you do to take stock of making drawing a line and getting a, a you know getting a, a direction out? Yeah, that's that's the action that I love um, seeing people take because they start to get the realization of what's actually happening. So the first thing, the very first thing that I think people should do is do a thirty day spending challenge. So it's very much like a a weight diary that people do, a food diary that um, people keep. We're going to keep a diary of all our spending for 30 days. And what this is, it's about revealing the truth about what we're actually doing. We tend to deceive ourselves with our spending habits. I had a a particular client spending $6,500 as a couple, uh, $6,500 a year on coffee. And this was just takeout coffee, and they didn't realise it until they'd actually done the spending challenge. And so once they'd um, come to that realisation, they realised that uh, that wasn't lining up with their values, um, and so they changed their habits. But until we identify what our habits are, it's hard to change them. So a 30-day spending challenge actually alerts you to, and you've got it written down on a list in front of you, how you're spending your money. And uh, when you talk to people about that, do they often uh, indicate that they were actually surprised how much they were spending? Oh, that happens all the time. Um, A lot of people who said, oh, we live a modest lifestyle, um, actually realised how much they were spending and how much money, particularly in cash, was going out the door. But also um, credit cards can be a real trap for this uh, two research actually shows, Dunn Bradstreet have done some research that shows that people who use a credit card tend to spend 12 to 18% more than those who don't use a card, Okay. Uh, those who use cash. So if we think about it, most people say to me, oh, Darren, I'm good with my credit card. I pay it off every month. And I say, but that's not the problem. It's not the interest on not paying it off or it's not paying it off every month. It's actually before that. It's the overspending because you're using a card. 
Okay, we're inviting listeners to call in, be part of our conversation today, 1-800-316-316. You might have a question, you might have a comment about personal finances, household finance, you might have a business question too. What are the biggest challenges that households are facing financially today? 1-800-316-316, our talkback line is open. Let's hear from Craig in Oxenford in Queensland. Hello, Craig, welcome along to 2020. Hello, thank you for welcoming me. I feel very welcome. Very good, Craig. Um, what are your thoughts? Oh, I'm more of a question. I mean, um, we um, were doing really well financially, but we weren't saving any money, like at all. And uh, I just wanted to your thoughts on uh, these third-party people, like, for example, the My Budgets of this world. Okay, let's hear from Darren. Darren, your thoughts on Craig and his question about third-party uh, people like my budgets uh, that can help you try and get things on track. What are your thoughts? Craig, yeah, welcome to, and thanks for calling in. Um, it's a great question. I think the, the key is um, if you can get some learning from them and then take the reins back, then that's a great thing. The, it's really about equipping yourself and empowering yourself at the end of the day, we can try to outsource all of these things in our lives, but it, we're going to be the ones accountable for it. And uh, I believe that um, when we're accountable in front of Jesus for all the things in, uh, that we've done in our life and the way we've lived, he'll also be asking us to account for how we spent the money. And so it's very important for us to get control of that. And, uh, you know, relationships and other things like that are a little bit fuzzy. You know, they're not absolute, whereas money in and money out, as far as a budget is concerned, should be reasonably absolute. So over time, it's, it's really important to try to get um, that learning yourself and that, that control yourself. Craig's still yeah. with us. Craig, if I was asking you, have you actually uh, taken part in a, a process with a third party or are you contemplating that? Is, is that the challenge that you've been facing? No, no, we are, uh, we are involved and uh, have been for a few years. But um, just been, uh, I guess, asking the question, um, to ourselves, how are we going? You know, I mean, I'm a very busy family. Um, I'm a very busy person, and I find these guys very, very helpful and very mm. useful, and it makes my financial life a lot less stressful. Um, you know, it, 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 is, it enabled us to increase our personal giving, um, and it has uh, taken a lot of stress off and put a lot of money in the bank and allowed us to do more things with our children. And, and now our children are more involved with extracurricular activities, whereas previous to that, we never had the ability to do that. So our lifestyle has increased. Uh, the bills were always paid. There was just never any extra. Now we have quite a lot of extra, and now we're seeking how we can better use that extra uh, asking the Lord if he requires it of us and where he wants it and then places like that. But my conviction, it was, I was cut to the quick when you said grabbing the reins and doing it yourself. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, now a lot more to contemplate, ponder and pray about. Yeah, well, Craig, I think the thing that seems to me that it's working for you, the main thing is not to take your hands completely off the reins. Now, what I mean by that is you don't actually have to, like most businesses, um, especially larger businesses, have bookkeepers and they outsource a lot of this to bookkeepers and they outsource a lot of bill payments and other things. But good businesses don't take control of who's got um, the final say on their money. So uh, the main thing is that they're setting budgets and they're making um, their bookkeepers uh, accountable to you know, running within those budgets. So if you want to macro-manage it, I think it's a great thing. If it's, work it's clearly working for you, so that's fantastic. But it's a matter of 
not taking your hands completely off the reins. So macro management, absolutely happy and fine with that. I think that's fantastic. Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. It's Neil with you, our guest this hour, Darren Laudenbach from GodsMoneyMatters.com, a financial boot camp this hour. Talkback lines open 1-800-316-316. Darren, let's take another call. Donna is in Rockhampton in Queensland. Hello, Donna. Welcome along. Hi, and uh, I hope everything's well with you. Thank I have you. a question for Darren. Uh, we have a, a home loan, and it's set up like a line of credit. Uh, we've got a diff- couple of different opinions here as to whether or not the focus should be just paying it out or paying it out to a degree and uh, at the same time trying to put money aside as a save um, nest. And in light of that, we have a, a son who has been working for a few years and he's saved very hard and he's looking at purchasing a house. And one, is, one opinion is don't put all the money into your deposit just take a portion of it and try to use the rest of it to actually invest. So I'm just looking for some advice. Okay, I, Donna, um, there seems to be two distinct questions there, so I might answer the first one first, if that's okay. Um, it sounds like you're running off a line of credit. For um, Is uh, that true? Are you, are you using that for every day? Not entirely. Okay. Okay. So um, you've got the line of credit open, but uh, you... you, you that's, you're not using that on a day-by-day basis? No, that's right. Okay, just that's paying good. into it um, a certain amount, uh, just using the income to for our daily expenses in another account, yes. So just wanting to know whether the focus really needs to be paying that out or whether to be, at the same time, gathering a nest egg. Yeah, absolutely. It is not a ba- it's not a bad idea to have um, a bit of both going on. However, uh, paying off debt as fast as you possibly can is a, is a good thing with, without restricting your lifestyle too much. So, you know, you don't want to end up being grumpy and having a, a no mortgage um, uh, and, and not being able to give and do other things. What, what, I, what we find with lines of credit is that they can be a little bit dangerous in uh, matching psychology with mathematics. Um, what we find, based on our experience of doing this for many, many years, is that having a set loan with set repayments uh, with, a, with a defined loan term uh, and trying to pay that out over that term um, or even faster is a good way to go. Um, and that way we, we see mortgages should be kind of a one-way door. Uh, money goes into it but never comes back out. So money goes in to pay it off but you never draw back off it because it's too easy to do that. And um, people end up being in debt for much longer than what they expected because of that, um, that, that lack of, just a lack of discipline. Right. Mm-hmm. There was a second part to that question. Yes, in regards to our son, uh, whether or not he puts all of his savings into his house deposit or whether to take a portion and set it aside to invest, and if so, where? Yeah, it's a good question. Well, the way we set things up first for people is to make sure that they've got a separate bank account that has an emergency fund in it. And that emergency fund should have three to six months' worth of expenses. So that presupposes that you know how much you're spending every month. And so that would be my first recommendation to your son, is to make sure he's got three months minimum of um, expenses set aside in a separate bank account. Um, Now, ideally, if he's going to take on a mortgage, that separate bank account will be an offset account. So a separate bank account that offsets the mortgage um, so he can reduce some interest on that new mortgage. Um, 
if he's got money over and above that. So that before I recommend people buy a home, I recommend that they actually set that three months aside so they actually don't include that in any of their deposits. Um, that alone may answer the question for the moment. Yes, I'm, I'm thinking that has actually, yes. Mm. Fabulous. Donna from Rockhampton, thanks so much for your input today here on 2020. one 316 if you have a question or comment with regard to finances today. A financial boot camp with Darren Laudenbach from godsmoneymatters.com. Let's hear from Warren in Tamworth. Hello, Warren. Welcome along to 2020. Oh, good day, Neil. How are you going? Very well, Warren. Do you have a question or a comment? Uh, a question uh, for Darren. Um, and uh, Darren, you, you sound very informative, so I'm glad I'm asking you this question. <laughs> Thanks, um, Warren. Um, in regard to um, uh, tithing, it's, um, it's certainly a, um, a, a an issue that uh, everyone, every Christian needs to think about. But um, sometimes um, I feel personally that um, if I tithe, this doesn't leave much for the Lord. And um, I know I should do put God first, money first, but then everything should flow after that. But um, what sort of advice can you give me about that one, please? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a big believer that Jesus endorsed the tithe. I actually believe that he said that um, he, he commented to the Pharisees that they do things with, they, they tie the rue and all sorts of herbs and other things. So in other words, they go right to their finer detail, but they don't necessarily love people. He said you shouldn't give up the former, but you should, but you should do the latter. So he basically endorsed the tithe as I see it. And it is actually pre-law. A lot of people get caught up and say, well, Jesus is post-law. Well, actually, tithing is pre-law. It happened before Moses. Um, so I'm a big fan of tithing. Um, I think it's all God's, and he only asks for a portion of it. And I do think we need to put it up the top of our budgets. Um, my, my strong belief is that God is a creative God, and he requires us to be creative as well. So he, I think um, he's saying, well, um, I, I need you to trust in me, Put me first and show me you're going to do that by having the faith to put your money um, where your mouth is, if you like. Um, so show me your money first um, put by, and put me first and display that by the way in which you run your finances. And given that our finances are so close to our hearts and for so many people, um, I'm sure he picked on that one for a good reason. Um, clearly, God doesn't need our money. But um, he, he needs our hearts, and this is the way in which we can practically show him we've got that. And I truly believe that um, there's one or two things that will happen if you do that. You'll find that there's not enough left in your budget, and so therefore you need to pray over it and say, God, tell me where else um, I either need to generate some income or I need to reduce my expenses because you said you'd provide all my needs. Here's my budget. This is my needs. Please provide. And he'll do one of two things. Um, he'll, well, he'll provide. Um, how he does that uh, is always um, really interesting and fun to, to experience. But he may require us to become more creative. He may require us to go and work harder or do something different in our work. Um, but I always believe and I've always found that he will provide. Our special guest this hour is Darren Laudenbach from God's Money Matters, a senior financial planner. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. You might have a question, you might have a comment. Personal finances, household money matters, business finance, 1-800-316-316. Darren, let's take another call, this one from Solomon in northwest Sydney. Hello, Solomon. Welcome along. Yeah, g'day, uh, Neil. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Just uh, um, wanting to uh, uh, delve on the issues of the 
American uh, uh, fallout uh, because the American dollar is the global currency. Now, uh, working along with uh, the science of times, we're looking at uh, September, a day in September when the uh, Smeter cycle is going to go through and then every seven years. Um, what would be the effect globally when that goes? And it's not a matter of uh, when it goes, it is, uh, um, of how it goes, but when it goes, what would be fact and where to put your money? Uh, because if America goes, uh, global currency goes, China's already on the slide. Uh, the sterling, the pound, is uh, mooted to be also falling. And every other big currencies, where would... Uh, and where can we hide our money, or where can we bank our money? Solomon, let's get some thoughts from Darren, a bit of a global economics question. Your thoughts, Darren? Yeah, hi, Solomon. Uh, not being a, an economist, I probably can't answer that as fully as what uh, I'd like to. Um, however, having said that, if uh, all the, like, the large global currencies fall, then um, then it, it means we're, we're probably no worse or better off. Uh, where to invest our money is um, is an issue. Um, let me suggest to you that I don't think gold is um, something that uh, is worthwhile, like people say. Uh, people say that uh, when when we're in a recession or when everything goes really pear-shaped, that we should throw our money into gold. Um, and uh, there's a lot of teaching out there that says that God's, uh, God um, holds gold in high value and that as Christians we should be collecting more gold and silver because these precious metals are his and he wants them back, and he wants his people to have them. I don't subscribe to that. I don't think God actually cares about gold. I think when he talks about having gold lining the streets of heaven, it's just um, uh, a metaphor for us to understand that it's going to be an awesome place. Um, so it, it, it is a bit of a challenge. Uh, the thing, let me uh, leave you with maybe this thought. If I lend you $100,000, it's your problem. If I lend you a $1 million, it's my problem. And I think that's where China and... Um, and America are at. Uh, China can't afford for America to, to stumble too much, and, um, and so they'll do what they need to do to, to make sure things are on an even keel on the whole, uh, is what my belief is going forward. As far as where to keep your money, it is a very big, big challenge. Um, I think yeah, always having some money in cash is a good idea. Um, and, uh, you know, other than that, it's, it's, I, th I think it's something you've got to personally... Um, pray to God about and get some insights for. Um, I'm, I personally um, have a, a little bit of money in property and a little bit, a bit of money in shares. Um, I, I do believe in companies um, producing good returns over long periods of time, and so um, I, that's where I put my personal funds. Solomon from Northwest Sydney, thanks so much for your input today here on 2020. Our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. Talking financial boot camp today. You might have a question with regards to personal finances, household finances. Uh, we're talking business finances too. And even touching on uh, those uh, global economic issues. Darren, uh, let me just bring you back to some of the things we were talking about as we got our conversation underway. You were talking about a 30-day uh, spending challenge. How valuable is it to do that spending challenge? And uh, what do you do once you've actually ascertained where you're at financially? 
Yeah, it's very important, Neil, because it, it gives us, a, you know, the truth will set you free, as they say. And um, so understanding the truth about where we're spending our money is the first step. It's a very important step. Uh, the next step is while we're doing that 30-day spending challenge is start to put together our budget. And every family needs a budget. I get people pushing back on this and saying it's like a swear word. They don't like to talk budgets and money. I don't think we have the option of getting uh, escaping that. I think we are going to be called account, as I said before, for um, uh, our whole lives, including our financial lives. And I think that we, um, we're foolish, and it tells us in the Bible a number of times we're foolish if we don't keep account of these things. So the next thing is to actually have a plan, a spending plan, and it's known as a budget. Um, so we, we put down all the, um, the things we know we're spending money on, and the easiest way to do this is to look back through bank statements and the like and start understanding where we're spending our money as we're doing our spending challenge. And so then we can put the two things together and put together uh, what might be a fairly robust uh, budget or plan for our spending for the next year. Um, the step after that is to pray about that and say, God, reveal to me where I haven't honoured you in this budget and reveal to me where I need to make some changes. And I know you're a fan of using some uh, internet online tools too to help that happen, Darren. Is that a, is that a good uh, process to work through to, to help you actually track your spending? Absolutely, Neil. That, that's, that's critical because we can have a plan and we can have a budget, um, but then what are we actually doing? How are we living to that plan? So we need to keep ourselves accountable to that plan and uh, certainly there's some really good software available these days to help track our spending. So we can have our budget and then we can um, compare that to how we actually are going um, at particular times. And I do that monthly in my family. So I have a budget I set once a year and then every month I check how am I going with our spending compared to that budget. Am I on track or am, uh, are we, do we need to make some adjustments? Our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. It's our financial boot camp this hour. You might have a question, you might have a comment. 1-800-316-316. Heard from one listener, William from Melbourne, has a question for you, Darren. His wife wants them to save for years and pay cash for a home. He wants to get a mortgage now which they can. Do you have any help for William? Any thoughts on, on how that process works? It's a very good question. Uh, look, I think he, ideally his wife is in, um, in, in the camp that I would like uh, most people to be in. Um, however, it, it, today it can be uh, something that escapes from us. With the Melbourne market uh, increasing quite rapidly at the moment, it can be, we can be chasing a, a very um, fast-moving target uh, the, the, the main thing about debt, is a lot of Christians think debt is a sin and to be in debt is a sin, and that's not actually what the Bible says. But we, the borrower is sla- can be slave to the lender, and the way in which a borrower becomes slave to the lender is where the debt is so high that the debt controls our decision-making. And so uh, I put it to some people at once when I was uh, speaking, is if um, debt is stopping you from following the call of God, then who is your master? Let me ask you, uh, even close to home, perhaps for listeners to our conversation now, when uh, in church life uh, you have an individual or a family and debt is just so out of control uh, that that family hasn't got the capacity at all to be able to contribute into uh, church life. And we were talking a little earlier, one of our uh, callers was talking about a tithe and, and making that offering in your local church, being able to give and have some level of generosity. Is debt the thing that 
that sometimes is holding back even the way that churches can flourish in communities? Oh, absolutely. Um, it, it really does. It, it holds, uh, holds back um, God's ability to be able to bless people. Um, if, if a church is without debt and they've got good offerings coming into the local church, then what can they do in their local community? They can make an impact. They can get out there and um, you know, support particular um, schemes and, fun, uh, and, and events and programs that um, you know, can be the hands and feet of uh, God out there in the community. And, and money is one way of doing that, of course. It's a resource that we can use. If you don't have any margin, what they say, without margin there's no ministry. And, so, uh, and often people get caught up in debt, and it's not always the case, but most of the time. It's unnecessary. 1-800-316-316. If you have a question or a comment, we're talking through a financial boot camp today. God's money matters. Darren Laudenbach, our guest. And Darren, let me just come back to the the spending challenge you were talking about, about the idea of budgeting. All these things are challenges for us, and I guess you've got to make a decision to do those. You have a concept called a closed circle budget. What is a closed circle budget? Yeah, it's actually interesting because uh, Bob Gass on the Word for Today was talking a little bit about this, about your cup overflowing. Um, the, the problem, I think, today is that we don't know if our cup is overflowing because we don't know how much we need. So unfortunately, I think what happens is we keep wanting a bigger cup. And God's going, well, look, I can overflow your cup, but if you keep changing cups to bigger ones, then it makes it pretty tough. Uh, whereas if we set a budget and say, God, that's enough, you give me that much, that's what I need, that will meet my family's needs, um, this is my budget, I'm putting it before you, if you overflow my cup, if you provide more than my needs that I'm outlining here in my budget, I'll give it away. Wow. And, and I, think he, I think he does that, and he can turn up in amazing ways in our finances, do miraculous things, I've seen it time and time again, when we actually say, enough is enough. And I think, you know, the parable of the, um, the five, feeding of the 5,000, why did Jesus overflow and give 12 baskets full left? And, and, and the scriptures don't say, but let, let me guess that he's not a wasteful God, so it probably would have been collected and used in the local communities and given away to the widows and the poor. But also it's proving that he can overflow. He can provide so much more than what we ever ask for, but we need to know how much is enough. I like the concept, and as we were saying a little earlier, it's a scary thing to put together a family budget because usually when you sit down there and and you crunch the numbers, uh, there's often more going out than coming in, and so we're afraid of that because we recognise the thing that's really got to change is some of those little luxuries uh, that we are spending our money on. Uh, but when you talk about a closed family budget or closed circle budget, you're actually saying uh, factor in there some of those things that you do for pleasure and uh, you do have like your family holiday and those things, as you say, so you don't become grumpy. But mm. when you know what the budget is, then you can see when your budget has been met and when you've got money spare to be able to be generous. Absolutely. And I think this is over and above the tide, by the way. So it's, it's, it's generous beyond the, just um, what, what I think God asks of us. It's that free will offering. It's that blessed to be a blessing. Um, it's been the Good Samaritan who had resources. Um, the Good Samaritan wouldn't have been spoken about uh, if he didn't have uh, time and money. 
Okay. The Good Samaritan had his budget under control. That's what you're yeah, saying. Clearly, and he had some he had some overflow that he could um, he could set aside. Uh, let me just ask you about that tithe, the tenth of all your income. Uh, when we say putting the tithe first or uh, leaving the tithe to what's left over, uh, you're an exponent of uh, putting the tithe first. Absolutely, it's um, it's all about priorities, and uh, God should be our first. And so, in, when we're sorting out our budget, we put Him first. And it's a statement so, to say, "God, I'm trusting you with this." You know what? The rest of it, it could be a problem. <laughs> um, you know, I might need to make some adjustments and other things. But I'm putting you first, and I'm going to trust that you will provide my needs. Interesting when we talk about attitudes to money when we've decided to give a tithe in our local church because when we say that everything is God's and we give 10%, it really means we're agreeing before God to live on uh, that 90% of what's left. Any ideas about about how our attitude to our finances is aligned when we come to a biblical idea of of what's right and what's wrong. Well, and with these things, it's so multifaceted, of course, Neil. Um, the first thing is if we put in our uh, tithe to local church, and I believe it should be to our local church um, first, and I think our offering should be to where our heart goes. So, if you've got a heart for various ministries, then that's where the that's where the offerings go. But I think the tithe goes to the local church. Number of things that happen from that, and 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 obviously the ninety percent that's left is still God's. <laughs> uh, we kind of forget that, you know. I've done my tithe, and now I can just spend it on whatever I want. No, not that's not true. He, it's it's all His, so we have to honour Him with all of it, and that's why we need a God honouring budget. What's great about um, if we if we fund up the local church, and the local church can um, has the resources it needs to go out in the community and be the hands and feet of God. Um, because it's fully resourced, then who gets the praise? Uh, that's right. And yes. God, I think God through the local church gets the praise. And so therefore people will want to come and meet the people within this church and be part of that church if they can see that the, their practical needs have been met. So because sometimes we we often think of uh, if we have a, a few dollars left over, we can be generous and we can give outside of what our local church does. But what you've just brought in is a whole dimension there because if your local church has extra and is able to do a whole lot of bunch, a whole bunch of things uh, within the community, then people see the hand of the local church really, which is the extended hand of God into their life. Yeah, and if the church is doing a great job like that, then surely they're, um, uh, they're giving the glory to God. And so uh, it's one of the ways in which uh, we can glorify God through the local church. And what's wonderful about that is, as an individual giving to that church, um, I don't get glorified because they don't know it was me. That's right. Uh, there's there's a few objections I could uh, I could feel coming. Uh, the idea that uh, well you know I can give away all my spare, but what about uh, you know leaving an inherit an inheritance for my children? Uh, what about uh, saving for retirement because that's all an uncertainty? Uh, there's a certain sort of fear that we have uh, which comes with the way we plan our finances. How do you address issues like that? It is often a fear thing, Neil, absolutely. Um, the reason why the ancient, um, uh, ancient civilisations praised gods like the sun god and, and you know, other gods like that is they, they, they put their hope in what they felt could secure their future. And so today we have the god of money or mammon, 
and we often praise that God because we think that money is going to secure our future. Um, whereas we know that uh, God secures our future. He's our provider, and he said he'll provide for us. So it's interesting. I mean, there's, there's this tension between God the provider and that we should trust in him, but also being wise to say, it says in Proverbs that if um, you can see trouble coming and you don't provide for that, you're a fool. And, and I would suggest that that would include retirement funding to a, to a degree. Um, so we can see that coming. We can see that potentially one day I may be too old, frail or unemployable uh, in the future. And it might not be uh, what the world's teaching us as a retirement date. It may be shorter or longer than that. Um, but it, it, it is reasonable to expect that that's going to come one day. And so it's reasonable for me to be able to set some si- aside some provisions for that. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. It's good to have you along with us. It's our financial boot camp this hour. Darren Laudenbach, our guest from GodsMoneyMatters.com. Darren, before we talk about some more of these sorts of issues to do with a financial boot camp, you have lots of resources on your website that people can access very easily. Yeah, there's plenty of uh, resources on there, including uh, budget spreadsheets and um, uh, lots of articles about, um, you know, should I buy a new car or should I lease a car or what should I do about those type of things? Should I have a credit card or a debit card? All that kind of information. There's lots of articles, resources um, that are free on the website. And I want to be able to ask you about praying over your budget too because, and I guess the attitude of the prayer is important here, but you encourage people to pray over the budget because you're expecting for God to be a blessing on your personal, your family or your business finances. How important is that prayer? Yeah, I think it's critical and I think um, we forget to do that. We get into the practical and we forget the spiritual and uh, God is a God of both and so why not invite him in and ask him um, those specific questions and say, you know, is this a God-honoring budget? Um, have I, have I, am I spending money according to my values and according to his values and his priorities? The wonderful thing about uh, doing the budget versus actual every month and, rec- and working out, you know, how am I going according to my budget is that we actually can uh, we identify, well, wow, I'm spending a lot of money on insurance. Maybe I should go and um, you know, renegotiate that. Oh, I'm spending a lot of money in an, 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 another particular area. Um, how, how can I be creative in reducing those expenses? And um, it, it's, you know, that, that kind of thinking, it brings it to light. It's, it's in our face. So, you know, what we focus on is what we get with the exception of everything else. Um, so we, if, are we focusing on these uh, money things? Not to be become a miser or to um, put an overemphasis on it, but just to make sure we, we maintain control. I sometimes get the feeling, and perhaps it's part of my experience too, uh, the idea of lurching from one crisis to another and, uh, and not gaining that wisdom along the way, which becomes a part of the way you actually manage finances. How important is it to actually, uh, you know, get a bit of a skeleton? I guess what, that's what we do on a, a day like this. We talk about having a financial boot camp, but then just getting all the, uh, you know, the organs and the flesh on the skeleton so that you all of a sudden become a wise steward of finances. Mm. Uh, accumulating wisdom is, is really a big answer here, isn't it, to getting things on track? It is, and it's a 
one of those things where you, you just got to start. You know, people say, oh, we don't do money in our family. Well, I think that's a very poor excuse or, um, you know, we don't talk about money or whatever it might be. That, uh, or I don't, do, I, don't, I don't do mathematics or I don't manage money well or, you know, it's not my skill set. Well, I, I think that's just a poor excuse. Um, I think we just need to chip away at it. We need to know that it's going to take some time to master this skill. None of us were born to know how to ride a bike or drive a car, and yet most of us can do both. And so um, we, we took on the challenge and we developed our skills and then we mastered it at some stage. And that's exactly what we need to do with our finances. we just got to know that we're not going to master it immediately, but we need to start working towards that. Uh, let me come back to God in our finances, because you went through a lot of training uh, to the highest levels of becoming a financial planner. And, and you discovered some things there in a secular sense uh, that were inadequate when you compare those to how you bring God into finances. Uh, how do you actually assess you know, the difference between financial planning ideas, uh, those that are secular, those that are Christian? Uh, is the Christian ideal the better way to go? Yeah, without doubt. We know that buying uh, more things doesn't make us happier. And we've seen that time and time again in various different studies. And I think all of us know that in our hearts. So having more doesn't make us happier. It's what we do with what we have can make a difference. So uh, you know, somebody once spoke about um, you know, we, money is about um, three things, really. It's about having a little bit of time, a little bit of opportunity, and, and a little bit of resources. Um, and compared to God, we've only got a little bit of all of those things. If I can use a bit of my time... Um, a little bit of my resources and um, a, a bit of my money um, th- to bring people into the kingdom of God, isn't that going to be the satisfying thing? And I think we can do that through the giving and tithing. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of com- organizations like Compassion. That's a little bit of time. I've got a right to the child. It's a little bit of um, effort, a little bit of money. Um, but it's it's doing big things. It's laying down... Uh, money now that could actually bring people into the kingdom. Interested in this contrast between what a secular financial planner might do, and they might do Mm. good things, uh, but then Mm. what a Christian financial planner brings to your finances, and what you're saying is they're not likely to be focused on just acquiring things, uh, but actually there's purpose and there's meaning to the sort of advice you'll get from a Christian financial planner. Absolutely, and it's a different, completely different worldview and perspective. And you know, there are some good financial planners out there who are, you know, secular financial planners who are doing a good job. But they've, they've got to be values-based financial planning. You've got to understand the heart of the person, what they're really trying to achieve in their life. And I think that's very hard to do without an eternal perspective. And so the difference is that a lot of um, it's a very narcissistic society we have now. You know, get it now. You, it's you deserve it. It's all about you whereas that's not what the Bible teaches. So we can Darren, I'm going to have to cut you yeah. short there because we've run out of time, and I just want to say thank you for sharing this wisdom with us. I want to point people to your website at www.godsmoneymatters.com. Lots of resources there available right now. Darren Lordenbach, it's great talking to you. Thanks for being with us on 2020. Thank you very much, Neil. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.